Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are floating popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way Join Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast number 118. I am here with the main man, VGF. All of you probably know him. Hopefully you do. If not, Pixel Vault. Was it director of marketing, director of vibes? Did you change director of marketing, right? All kinds of stuff. Something like that. Something like that. Depending on who you ask. Well, what's up, man? It's great to have you. I'm uh, I'm glad you came on. I'm glad you were open to coming on. You're one of the very few people that have been on twice. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no, always always happy to to hop on, and very glad we could make it happen uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I got it. It's Sunday night, January 29th, and I got to say, Andy and I were just celebrating because our Philadelphia Eagles are headed to the Super Bowl for the second time in five years, which is really Heck awesome. Yeah. And it's and out here. It. I, that's right. I mean, yeah, that's right. That's right. I went to the last one in Minneapolis. Gotcha. And it, yeah, but I don't think I, I don't think I'm doing this one. I think we're gonna have some friends over the house, celebrate it, and relax, watch with the kids. Nice. Yeah, yeah, man. Very excited. And uh, this other game's coming down to the wire is really good. Cincinnati, KC. But speaking of the Eagles, because of this game today, I saw a bunch of NFT heads that that I respect and like. I didn't know were Eagles fans. Uh, Roger Dickerman, Keyboard Monkey, Justin Mahler, and Killer Acid are all Eagles fans, which I think I. It's a really interesting uh, crossover. The like daily fantasy sports, yeah. like uh, interest into NFTs. I feel like the DGen gambler side of uh, NFTs definitely mm-hmm. has an appeal on the daily fantasy sports side. Yeah, well, you know, how about a website where you can bet in ETH? They don't have that, do they? Uh, it would have to be like protocolized to where it couldn't be like, it would have to be like decentralized front ends and stuff. So I, I think okay. there are some that have dabbled down that road. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty like it's in the realm yeah. of like very strict gambling. Yeah, so, like, they're probably they're like, you want to gamble with your crypto now? Like, yeah, yeah. they're not going to like that. Yeah. Theoretically, it's possible because like I know Chainlink has an Oracle for sports games. OK, so like, whatever that whatever that whatever that means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. But to, to no, where you could have the on-chain yeah. data use smart contracts to activate the payouts. Oh wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sports gambling's still illegal here in Florida. I can't go on like DraftKings or anything like that. Which is interesting because like they're they're in the NFT space too. Absolutely. We had Matt Kalish, we had on uh end of the year last year. It was really good. We talked a lot about the the rainmakers and everything they're doing. We just had uh, our collab with them for the Rainmaker cards uh, a couple months ago. Okay. Last I don't, two months ago. Yeah, I might have missed that. I might have missed that. But yeah, we and had then, uh, Chris Wall styled limited edition Rainmaker cards that were pretty cool. That's neat. Yeah, it's, there's a, they definitely do some cool stuff. I have a bunch of them. I didn't play too much. I have a hard time like keeping up on so many different things and playing the games. I can't it's, keep up with it yeah. as it is. I know. I exactly. like watching good exactly. games, but I can't, yeah. uh, I can't keep yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. like follow it. And I'm in fantasy leagues. Andy and I are in a fantasy league together. Like it's there's all kinds of 
you know, there's a lot, lot going on. So, yeah, man, a lot happened in NFTs this week. Pretty crazy week. The good, the bad, the ugly. There was a lot going on. A little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. We'll start with the good. The, the Nest Graphics Open Edition. It's like th- this this whole new thing. Everyone's doing all these open editions. I even saw a bunch of artists announce it today. Like John Knopf announced this really cool looking one. But I mean, this was incredible. He did, he sold in one hour. Was it even announced before it dropped or was it just like? A little bit. So A little it, bit. Okay. So people knew it was coming. Yeah. I like that you started this with the good because I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm of the same opinion. There were definitely some people that uh, are not of that same opinion. Okay. No, I like I. You know, he's not putting a gun to anybody's head to buy it. If you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. It's you know he's he's a great artist, and it's like he puts his price out there. It's for one hour, and six five two nine had a really good thread. I don't know if you read his thread. I think it was earlier this morning about open editions and timed editions, and it's almost like buying a poster from Amazon. It's like you know you're getting a piece of that artist, but like you know what you're getting a lot of times. Um, well, and I, I think where a lot of people, at, at least those that are are frustrated with the mm-hmm. open edition meta, is that there are so many quote unquote degens that are associating and like projecting future value onto these, you know, burn and mint mechanics and things of that nature. Because like when I saw Ness and and a massive congrats to Ness, because yeah. I, th- I think. If the only like if the only fallout of this is that artists are winning, I think that's a not the worst outcome in the world, right? Right. And uh, I, I think where people are getting hung up is that there's a lot of these PFP flippers that are now speculating on art. And uh, I, I to be honest, I, I think that it it's great because it's it's driving more attention towards artists. Yep. But. I can see where like there's a lot of that pushback or uh, we even saw with Jake the D-Gen when he did his like, I think that's pushing it to the extreme where he, you know, he had a three minute mint or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of pushback on that one because he really played into the FOMO and uh, his price point was significantly higher. But it's it's really interesting to me because Grant Yoon kind of put out this this what if like what if he did an open edition? for 70 ETH. Mm-hmm. Like if that's, if he only sold one, the market would probably value it, you know, like say that that's, that's fair given his, his market price of his other one of one works. If he sold two or three, is it then a cash grab? You know, like that's, that's where like, in my opinion, an artist puts a project out, puts an, a, an art piece out at a certain price, the market will decide how many of yep. that piece that they want. Yep. And uh, I think the only like where it gets kind of gray is when the the artists feed into the FOMO speculation hype, especially around like these burn mechanics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But to me, like that's that's a benefit of participating in NFTs as an artist is leveraging the technology to do things that you couldn't otherwise. Yeah. So it is it is a, a controversial t- uh, topic. Yeah. Well, there always will be people that do things for the wrong reasons. I mean. You talk the, the people that are buying this are the same DGENs that were buying, you know, uh sleepy donkeys for a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> like whatever it is. Yeah. Like it's just, so it's you know, you're you know what you're getting into, you know. And it, we used to always say bet the jockey. So pick the artists you really like that you think are gonna do well and you think are doing it for the right reasons. He I didn't get to throw out the numbers. He sold in one hour 20,357 of them at 
zero point zero six nine ETH, which totaled at the I calculated at sixteen hundred. We're at sixteen thirty five now. ETH two point two five million dollars in one hour. That's just absolutely wild. Yeah, and and got to give credit to Manifold because what they've done, what Richard's done there, him and his team is is revolutionary for the space and for artists that you know they're given their own contract. Like they could have used to drop stuff on OpenSea. But it turns out that that's not really, yeah. You know, quite, I mean, I've, I've so said it time and again. I, I will say it one yeah. more time. I truly believe that the work that Richard and Manifold have done will, in retrospect, be uh, some of the most important work in enabling artists yep. and, and giving them that access and uh, availability of tools to be more creative, more sovereign artists. Yep, and. Yeah. Uh, the team themselves, like they, they push it, you know, the whole narrative of, of self-sovereignty of their own contracts. And uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Manifold. I'm, I'm big fans of both Richard and the Manifold team. Same here. Yeah. And they keep building, they keep adding new stuff and they're going to, they're going to keep, you know, really creative. And it's funny, like a website that easily allows artists to have their own smart contract without coding. Like it seems so common sense but someone actually had to do it yeah well and, and like the time and the place like where the market was when they because like for for a very long time you know two years ago you had to have your own solidity developer you had to have right back end front end guy to do the website like or people were minting via ether scan and you know even then uh that's that's definitely a lot of friction to to add into the equation so mm-hmm. um Manifold has really flipped that game on its head. Thousand percent, yeah. Manifold is incredible. It's like you know, I know people just go on there and drop something just for fun. How do they? Do they make money on these? Like so, two point two five million. Um, do they take a cut? It's a free anything? tool. It it's, is. That's what I tool. thought. That's what I thought. I know that Manifold has has uh, done some unique arrangements with artists that have needed you know like custom stuff done, but by far and large, it is a free to use tool for independent artists to be able to have have sovereign low code no code smart contracts amazing and to that point like that's it's almost charitable what they do i know it is a business and i know that Mm -hmm. you know they do do charge for certain things but uh by far and large what they've done has has been as a free tool to artists yeah that's incredible you gotta try and get try and get someone from that team on here eventually definitely that's what's up. So that was the good, really, you know, really great art sales. Ness crushed it. I mean, that's so much money to make in an hour. Like, it's got to just be over the moon. Well, something to be said about that. Cause, like, yes, mm-hmm. that amount of money was sold of his work in an hour, but he put, he put, okay, so fair much, enough. Yep. He put so much time into those freaking pieces. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he has a couple of like video, like, or, or like, work in progress type stuff that he's put out there before the amount of detail that goes into his work is mind blowing. Uh, so for him to project out and say that, you know, he's going to be doing this open edition and it's going to have a burn, um, you know, he's got some bangers in store and he's probably been working on this for weeks, if not months. No doubt. Um, That's good perspective. It's like, yes, it is. I think everyone would agree. It's a lot of money, a lot of ETH for an artist to earn in, you know, an hour worth of sales, but it's, it's something that's, that's very likely been in the works for 
quite some time. Well, no, that that's good perspective. I appreciate that. And thanks for uh for saying that and correcting me. He definitely didn't just bang it together and throw it yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So that was a good the bad. We had another major hack. It's getting worse. And people are getting hit all over the place. And this was one, you know, so Kevin Rose, for people that don't know, lost 25 squiggles and a really major autoglyph from what I understand. Yep. And some other stuff too. And he was on a 6529, like a fake mint page. Somehow he got directed to a fake mint page and connected with this wallet with everything. He said he was on the phone with somebody and they realized it like right away and it was too late. They went to revoke.cash. So, you know, not, not to pile on anybody, you know, it's, it is what it is, what it is. Like it's, it's, so, we talk about this a lot. It's so tough and so scary. Like I went through all my stuff, but like, even so I'm like, I can't even imagine right now if I, if I lost my ape and all my ETH, like that would be absolutely devastating. What happened to our friend, our friend Novo. And I know he's your buddy as well. Yeah, That was, that was horrible. And I think it just goes to show like a, even the most seasoned, like Kevin Rose yeah. is not a newbie by, by any means. Like I know yeah. that he's um, his entrance to NFTs was pretty, you know, public, but he's been in crypto and NFTs for a good while. This is not, you know, somebody that's, that's green. That's he told advantage. Gary V about punks, I think, didn't he? There's something to that story. I don't recall if it was specifically, but keep going. I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, I mean, all it takes is not putting the right speed bumps in front of your, you know, your own way, or like in this case, signing the wrong transaction from the wrong wallet. And uh, I mean, it's it sucks, but like I'm I'm firmly in the camp of this all comes down to personal accountability and responsibility. It's almost not an if you get hacked. Uh, and and I say that lightly. I, it's more so scammed uh, because mm-hmm. it, it's not a super secret coder hack here. It's social engineering. It's spear phishing. It's, you know, like clicking or downloading something that you shouldn't yeah. um, on a device that is, you know, probably not siloed from all of your other activity. So yeah, it's it, it is sad to see, but it is so easily avoidable, especially to the tune of, you know, 25 squiggles, etc. like to have those in an, in a wallet that you're signing transactions from is just uh I I don't have money like that to where yeah. I can No, it's, it's a, right. it's, that's a, that's a little bit sloppy for sure. Um, yeah, it's a little and, little and, bit yeah. It, to call it a vault when it's like if you're signing transactions, listing things for sale, approving it's not a vault, right? It's not a vault. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I heard you I heard you a bunch on spaces this week and really interesting hearing you talk about like wallet hygiene, revoke.cash. What are some safe like safe? So I went to revoke.cash. I had an embarrassingly amount of things not on my not i do have a vault but i'm gonna even ask you about that getting that even more secure but i had honestly to be i had like 80 that i had to revoke from some back in 2021 mm-hmm. like and like weird projects that disappeared like someone could steal their website like i don't even know so i revoked them all they only co- it cost like 60 cents each so it really wasn't bad and you bang through them really fast revoke.cash has had an update since i've last used it and you like literally can just bing, 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 bing. Yeah. And so you suggest people go to revoke that cash, revoke everything that has a permission and then add permissions later if you need it. This is like, let's start on your hot wallet. So like I, I kind of break it down into like three tiers or or like different verticals. 
Yep. Separating your crypto hardware from your non-crypto hardware, basically that mitigates, you know, you clicking or downloading a malicious file that could, you know, be exploitive. So you have a laptop that you only do your crypto on, everything else you do on multiple, a different Multiple devices. It could be right. a, a phone for argument's sake that is okay. exclusively used for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, Chromebooks, Chromebooks are like 200 bucks. Yep. So if like for anyone that's like for all the people that say, oh, you can go and, you know, buy a hardware wallet. It's like, yes, you should absolutely do that. But I think for a lot of people, they would be better off using hot wallets on a separate device than they would signing a bunch of transactions from the same device on a hardware yeah. wallet. Like, right. Yeah. Once you sign with a hardware wallet, I think that all the time, like once you sign with your hardware wallet, you're you're vulnerable. Yeah. And so like, that's where I think it really gets down into the nitty gritty of behavior and that we as the humans are always the weakest link um, because these these social engineering kind of phishing scams uh, are targeting us. It's not mm-hmm. the hardware they're targeting. Like they don't care what kind of wallet it's on. As soon as they get that approval, it's gone. So like putting, putting more hurdles in your own way and, uh, you know, siloing your behavior as much as your your hardware because like you shouldn't be you know use for sake of argument and i'm I'm going to speak in kind of broad generalities but um like yes you should absolutely use a hardware wallet it, the, the only difference between hardware and software wallets is the generation and storage of the seed phrase like if i go onto metamask on my browser right now and spin up a new wallet uh it's like by default on my macbook pro it's going to back that up to the iCloud. So uh, there is a digital footprint of that seed phrase for hardware, like say you're using a ledger treasure uh, Mm -hmm. grid lattice plus is is the new one that I'm uh, infatuated with. Mm. When you use the hardware to generate the private key, the seed phrase, there's no digital footprint of it ever, period. There's the physical, like when you write it down on paper. Uh, or if you store it via, you know, metal, preferably put it somewhere safe. But like that, that is the benefit of hardware is like the physical hurdle of like having to input that code onto the device itself and no digital footprint. It should never touch your keyboard, your monitor ever right. full stop period, or it's, you know, compromised to a certain degree. Uh, the other thing I'd say is having, yeah, a separate, separate crypto only device, whether that's a phone or a Chromebook or an old laptop, uh, because then a, this this goes to like, we saw the case of NFT God, where he don't, clicked- Don't click on Google ads, right? It's, yeah. And where yeah. he clicked on a, a promoted ad for what he thought was OBS, turns out that file contained malware. He had compromised his hardware device by loading it into MetaMask natively. So he actually took his seed phrase and entered it into MetaMask, which then gave that seed phrase a digital footprint. When he downloaded the malware, it scans his device, finds that seed phrase, and he's he's done, wiped out. Wow. So that's that's one of those things where like it's not any one of these things in particular. It's kind of cumulative uh, that like all of these things together limit your exposure or if you like if slash when you are exploited mitigating the damage done and the last one is siloing of your wallets so like kevin rose having all of those squiggles in a Mm -hmm. single wallet uh he just as easily could have used his hardware 
spun up, you know, three, five, 25 wallets to store all of these uh, squiggles in. And short of his seed phrase being compromised, if he signed uh, one of those permissions on any one of those wallets individually, he would have only lost what was in that wallet wallet. rather than all of them. So let me ask you about setting that up because I I have my ledger and I'm pretty sure I set it up fine. And, you know, there should be no digital footprint of it, whatever it is. But I also have a brand new one because I bought two when I originally bought it. And I was thinking of setting up another one. And I actually only have one wallet on this one. I would like to silo, like you say. So when you set, you get a brand new one, you set it up. You don't go to their website because they offer you to go to their website, right? And do it there. So you can set it up via the hardware itself. You should use, like if you're using Ledger, you should use Ledger Live um, because it will. That is their, their website, right? So they have a tool that authenticates the hardware to ensure okay. that it, it wasn't compromised. It's running the updated firmware, uh, that there weren't any middleman attacks. Somebody okay. didn't like go to the store, peel it, load malware onto the, the device and wrap it back yeah. up. Because I bought this from a guy. He had like a the truck at the flea market and he was selling it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, th- that's, that's, that's the intention. Uh, Ledger has a closed uh, ecosystem. So like, they, they don't publish their software. It's not uh, open source. Mm-hmm. So it, I would recommend for Ledger in particular using Ledger Live to set it up just to authenticate that, you know, it's all kosher. It's all updated. But then you can go about getting your seed phrase. It all boils back down to the seed phrase. Mm-hmm. If, if you lose your seed phrase, if your seed phrase is compromised, it doesn't matter how many wallets you silo it into. It's gone. So this is where to like you saying you have a ledger, but you're setting up a new one. That's great. In that worst case, if your seed one of your seed phrases were compromised, the other one hopefully is not. So I would recommend not storing those seed phrases in the same place. For example, like yeah. So if somebody comes into your house, breaks into your safe, gets your gets your one seed phrase. Your other one, hopefully, is still safe. Right. From there, I would suggest mm-hmm. setting up multiple accounts under that seed phrase. So mm-hmm. like having parent and child accounts, because you can use the same seed phrase to spin up dozens of wallets. Right, right. So that's yeah. where you can have uh, multiple accounts underneath that same seed phrase. And, In the, again, and you do that all on the little ledger, right? For ledger, I forget. I'll have to be... Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have okay. to be, leave that one open to, to who knows the, the answer. Yeah, I'm going to, I want to, I'm going to try and figure that out. Cause I do um, want to, I, I want to fire up the new one, open up, a, get a bunch. And then I guess I'll figure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to figure it out. And how do you get your wallet addresses and all that? Cause um, it, it really is setting up those additional accounts that help with uh, allowance, like with your, your uh, approvals and stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. Because then worst case, you know, you sign a malicious transaction, you grant allowance for a scammer to steal all of your stuff for free or sell it to themselves basically for Mm -hmm. free. And worst case, you're losing only what is in that wallet. And that's where I would say having, you know, your DGEN minting wallet, your trading wallet and a vault. A vault is only a vault. If it only sends back and forth to other wallets, it should have no approvals no permissions when you want to send from your vault you need to type that seed phrase in somewhere to send right no just from your device you connect via uh uh, ledger live and connect 
through MetaMask. MetaMask is basically just the portal, the browser. You don't have to enter your seed phrase into MetaMask in that case? No, you do not. If you have entered your seed phrase into MetaMask from your hardware, uh, that that seed phrase is now to some degree compromised. That's what Understood. happened to NFT guy. That's okay. That's really that's a really good piece of advice because like a lot of people do have the they enter it into MetaMask so you can connect and use it. Um, well, so there's two ways to connect. You can yeah, please you can do it like that. I wouldn't recommend it because it's defeating the purpose of the hardware. Totally. But it's, essentially, you can go uh, to MetaMask in your browser uh, under the top right hand corner, the little circle. There's Connect Hardware Wallet. And that's uh, how you would go about connecting the physical right, device right. to your computer. Okay. So then Actually, you're just that, using that the mask as a, about a browser, yeah. a portal. Awesome. That's really good advice. I'm glad. Uh, I knew I'd get some good advice from you. I'm glad we chopped that up. I'm definitely going to set up a new one. My my old one is probably fine, but you can never be too safe. Like it's, it's. I mean, just the people that are getting, you know, people are getting murdered out there. NFT guy got crushed. You know, he was so strong about it and kept doing his thing, but. Like a lot of people, I think it was really hard on Novo. I know, like it'd be really hard on me, especially if it was younger. Yeah, silo it, like that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not one to talk. Like I know that I've been slacking in certain areas, yeah. and so like I, I just got a grid lattice plus that I'm going through, uh, and going to be like breaking my stuff out into to even more wallets. Yeah. Um, but it, it just security is one of those things that you can push to the nth degree. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing is ever a hundred percent safe. So it's uh, again not if uh, not if, but when you are compromised or or scammed or exploited, uh, mitigating the damage done. Yeah, and uh, the bifurcation of your wallets. You know, using multiple accounts under the single seed phrase, using multiple hardware devices, multiple seed phrases. All of that goes a really long way. And then, yep. you know, your behavior, making sure that you're, you know. Uh, saving your favorite websites so that you don't accidentally type it in wrong uh, or that you're not clicking and approving transactions that you don't understand that you can't read. Yep. Those are all things that I think would go a long way towards people protecting their stuff. And granted, like there are like, do I think that this, this is all like reasonable for mass adoption? No, but it's the reality that we're in right now. Totally. And there's still, you know, people playing with, whether it's hundreds of dollars or millions of dollars worth of digital assets, these are the facts of reality as as the space is currently. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like if you want to best protect yourself for what's out there, this is what you got to do right now. And uh, I, there are a lot of avenues that are being attacked that are being worked on as to how the future might be better. I think wallet uh, wallet abstraction is is one of the more interesting um which is basically leveraging eoa uh wallets as smart contracts so that you can say hey this this asset's been in my wallet for more than a month i need an additional private key signature in order for it to leave my wallet or okay i spent more than x amount on an nft i'm going to need to meet this this and this parameters in order for it to then be moved out of my wallet so that's where it gets really interesting because then it's like you you get over uh, or it solves for a lot of those like UI UX issues uh, puts you can like put as many barriers in front of yourself as you want in, to try and uh, make it more difficult for things to be moved out of your wallet without your, you know, intentional permission. 
Yep. And yeah. Uh, so like there's, there's a lot of angles that you can come at it from, but uh, I don't, uh, again, I don't think this is any one of these things is a silver bullet. It's kind of do as many or as little as it takes to so that you can sleep soundly at night. Um, and maybe a couple extra just because people get sloppy. I hear that. I learned a lot there. I I really appreciate that. I always appreciate talking to you, especially about stuff like that. And definitely learned a lot about, you know, really some, that's cool that you can, you don't have to put your seed phrase. I realized that because I was always worried about like even everything. And and then you have these warm wallet, you have these warm wallet things. What, what we did with Dookie Dash, you still had to yep. sign something. I still was scared signing. Yeah. Know? And it's just, it's just moving the trust. Right. Yeah. Like you yeah. trust Yuga Labs. You're granting approval to it to then basically give allowance to another wallet so that you're not having to like connect to another site via your hardware. Right. I, I think that's great. I, I do think that there are more experiments in that area of like delegation and things of that sort are are great. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a stopgap. It's you know, it's a convenience thing. And I think that it does go a long way towards peace of mind. Yeah, but it's it's again, it's not a solve. It's not a long term solution. Um, let's move on to some of the other happenings this week. That was really good convo. I think people are going to take a lot out of that. I know I did. You probably saw the Porsche NFT drop. Yeah, that you know that was pretty wild. Like it, they typical point nine one one. Of course, they tried to sell seven thousand of them. They got to like whatever it was, like seventeen hundred, and then they hinted that they were going to close. That's actually kind of a a lot like. Might as well like start high. If it doesn't work, close it out. You know what I mean? But like every time you start doing a drop, people buy it. And then if it's not selling, they're like, stop the mint now. Stop the mint now. You know, that's what they want. And then all of a sudden it went crazy and it's up to like whatever, two ETH, even probably more than that. It got like two and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, But that seemed a little bit manipulated. If if you're Well, so like I I thought that was really interesting because a lot of people were projecting that it was a cash grab. Yeah. And. I don't know who was working on it. I don't know any anyone from the Porsche team or their Web3 team or who is advising or consulting on it. I I have very limited information. Yep. But Same. of all companies, like and I've been a huge proponent for this. I'm waiting for it to happen. Companies and and you know, uh, organizations of that scale can be the ones to provide absolute ridiculous opportunity or utility yep. to a mint like this. So like for I don't know what their plans were or what their you know intended utility is. For all I know, like it's worth thousands of dollars worth of like an entry to a party or like uh, backstage to you know a race at Nurburgring. Like you know, like you you don't know. Mm-hmm. So there there will be one of these you know Web two companies that comes in and is like, I'm going to leverage this to build our Web three brand and just provide way more opportunity just writing it off right as a blow it out of the park yeah exactly yeah. and they so, say like, the right things yeah so we don't know like right. obviously yeah. all we see is 0.91 mint right. and uh it sounds like a lot especially given where the market was at the time i, I think that that's reasonable like yeah 0.911 when you know eth's 14 1500 like that's not cheap for anybody but that like that's probably also not their target demographic like you if you think yeah. that you're probably not who they were targeting um Facts. but that's that's also something kind of strange because to me thinking that there were you know 7000 whatever uh native web3 participants 
that were willing to spend 0.911 on a mint just because it's Porsche. I think that was bold and uh, turned out to not be the case. Right. Uh, I, they cut the supply and then you had all the speculators run it up. Mm -hmm. um, but I, well, there I, was I, actually I, somebody said there was a, a like a recently created wallet that was funded with 110 ETH that bought a bunch of them. I don't know. If I you have saw no that. idea. It was some. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know what happened there. One thing that I don't like about that, if I like these companies, they create an alternate Twitter and they don't tweet anything about it from the main one. It's almost like they're a little bit scared. Like if they would play it to, if they would have played it from their main one, like we're giving out this digital collectible, here's what you're going to get with it. Like, I don't know. But that's where I, I think that's where I, I said specifically, like they targeted it to a web three native audience. They did. Yeah. If they would have targeted it to, you know, all Porsche owners, you know, or, or promoted it through their official Porsche Twitter. That's um, what it, right. Exactly. Then it could have been a very different story. Like, or if yeah. they had a separate collection that anyone that owns a Porsche and has registered their car with the manufacturer, you know, whatever could go and claim this, this Porsche NFT. That's what car companies. Should very, do. very different yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Cause then you're like, then you're targeting owners of your car right and so like that's where i think it was a little wishy-washy and and maybe could have been approached differently but overall like i'm just i'm hesitant to judge before they've been allowed the opportunity to show what they've got yeah i mean it's you know i know what happens i know why they don't because like if porsche put out hey we're selling an nft 90 percent of the comments they'd be getting lambasted you know how that goes. Like you, ha you have to eat that. You have to yeah. like be proud. Of, if you're proud of what you're doing, put it out there. And the people on Twitter, they're going to be like, oh, it's a scam. NFT is a fucking scam. Like that's what happens. Anytime a celebrity says something about NFTs or yeah. a real business, like they do get, they do get pretty smashed. Well, and so like, this was one of the things that I thought Reddit did exceptionally well was they like obviously they they went a whole different branding route of you know calling yep. them digital collectibles using them on polygon you know an eth uh side chain uh minted for free if you yep. had a certain you know karma you know score so it was interesting to see that evolution because a whole bunch of people were like what the heck i don't want these things get this crap out of here you know this these these nft scams and all this stuff and then a lot of those same people once they had them were like oh you know look at all this stuff we can do with our uh at reddit digital collectibles right they're exactly. so much better than these nfts uh-huh and uh you had a whole bunch of people that were that were converted uh and it was so then it's like okay so you don't have an issue with the technology you have an issue with the application of that technology. And I think that's reasonable. Like th there are there are a lot of scams in Web3 and NFTs. There are a lot of people that are, uh, you know, malicious and exploitive and extractive. But that's the application of the tech, not intrinsic to the technology itself. So the way that Reddit did it, I think, was, was not only clever, but like particularly well-targeted to their existing audience. Yeah, they did incredible. That's for sure. And uh, and then the people found out they're worth money, actually. And they were like, oh. And then a bunch of those people that minted right. them for free realized yeah. that they were worth a couple hundred bucks or a right. couple grand. Right. Yeah.
That's yeah, how you that win was, a lot of people yeah. over pretty quick. Yeah, and they had really good artists there. They did a really that was really cool how that how that went down. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, like it just took over Twitter one day, and they could just we blew yeah. It then up. the you know then the mean? Web right. three people got a hold yeah, of it exactly. And it went crazy. Exactly, exactly. That's pretty funny. New new shiny thing over here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought up Reddit. Now that was uh that was really well done, and like what Starbucks is doing is really cool with their rewards I program. I haven't delved into it, but I've kind of been yep. like watching from afar. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. It's that company Forum Three, which is Adam Brotman, a bunch who's part mm-hmm. of it. I don't know if you know those guys. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, they uh, well, I'm, like that's yep. that's bringing a whole new layer into like using Web three for data analytics and like loyalty royalty you know loyalty reward type stuff yeah loyalty rewards is a great application for for all Mm -hmm. that and you know rewarding people yeah absolutely yeah and so like incentivizing behavior i think is is something that a lot of we're going to see a lot of uh opportunity and a lot of where some of these like massive companies are going to be able to find a lot of value in going blockchain backed and leveraging web three. Yeah, man. So uh, what happened else? Uh, Gordon, Gordon Garner from board ape yacht club put out a, an announcement and he's actually taking a leave of absence from Yuga. He yeah. got a, not a great prognosis from his doctor. I guess uh, he said congenital heart failure and he needs to, he needs to rest and he needs, he's going to, you know, stay on as a, consultant he got a lot of love from the community to, you know, to board api club people he's he's the face you know when, once he was doxxed and you know he does even a podcast they'll probably have to stop doing that definitely feel bad for him uh i don't think it you know i think yuga is in good hands they have a new ceo coming on and mm-hmm. all that but uh sending yeah, out much was, love to gordon you know it's a yeah i was super i was sad to hear that yeah, you know, just on a a human being level, you know, like exactly. to hear somebody exactly. is is going through something like that is is never something that's you know glad to hear. But uh, for the conversation around it was really interesting because there were a bunch of people wondering like, oh, is this bearish for Yuga, or is this you know like uh, is is one of the founders taking a step back, stepping away, uh, a negative indicator for you know the the company for the collection. And ultimately, like it's it's a business, and I get that we ha- we all that a lot of us have assets from you know this this company. But I think that of all companies that are ex- exceptionally well positioned to have somebody like like uh, Gordon to be able to take a step back, it's Yuga. Like they they've spent the last 12, 18 months scaling massively, bringing on yep. a lot of extremely uh, capable talent. Uh, like you said, bringing in a new CEO, former yeah. uh, Blizzard, to help kind of uh, spearhead the the gaming initiative. So yeah, I, I think that ultimately, like, I hope he's well. I hope he takes yeah. care of himself and and is able to recover. But like, life's short. Like to to there's so many of us that over the last you know couple of years have uh, spent such ridiculous time energy attention in this space he's probably not alone you know there's probably a lot of people that uh don't share that they're going through health issues or or things of that sort and and i know like it was it was a little bit of a wake-up call for me because uh i haven't been you know the best about watching what i'm eating or being you know the most active and things like that yeah same so uh it was it was definitely a little bit of a wake-up call for me and in kind of needing to get my own butt in gear and 
not just trying to be here for a good time, but also a long yes. time. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a good uh, good takeaway from it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, hopefully the next thing we hear in you know a year or whatever, these I'm ready to come back or whatever it is. But yeah, or we'll much, see him at love or yeah. something. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll see how that goes down. And then speaking of Yuga, Dookie Dash, have you been playing at all? I have not. No, no. I've watched <laughs> a good bit. Yeah. Um, I, I credit them for putting out, you know, a, a pretty polished game yeah. for what it is. I don't think it's a game that's intended to, you know, be long lasting or, right. you know, I don't think it's so much fun that if it weren't tied to Yuga, uh, that it would be everyone's, you know, go to game. But it, it's fit for what it is, which is, yeah. you know, a time, uh, time limited skill based mint. It's an experiment. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's something that if it weren't attached to Yuga, I don't think would be getting near as much attention as it is, right, but right. because it is, it's, it's a great thing for the entire space. You know, like the, the success of Dookie Dash and bringing in, you know, like some of these esports uh, athletes and stuff like that, that we've seen taking cracks at um, getting that high score. I think that that all bodes well. So it, it's one of those like I I'm rooting for Yuga too, even though I have no Yuga exposure. Mm-hmm. Them doing well is is a good indicator for the space. It certainly is. I'm actually playing a decent amount. I only have a tier three. I don't have a tier four, so I'm a little bit only. of a handicap. I, well, I mean that's nice. Yeah, no, I should say it's nice to have a tier three. But I I scored 150,000 is my high so far. It's not crazy, but I'm also. I've never played any video game. The only video game I've played since college in the last 20 years is Tetris. I really like Tetris and I'm actually pretty good at it. Do you want to, do you want to delegate me your, uh, your pass and I'll see if I can crack it. Uh, yeah, I would do that if you wanted to, I'll give you a shot at it. I I still haven't played it. If that's easy to work, I'll let you, I'll let you get a shot at it for sure. I'm not Um, a, I'm not a mouse and keyboard uh guy yeah. traditionally i'm a controller guy but uh, yeah i feel like i i have the i feel like i'm p- plenty well capable of taking a good crack at it uh, i'd sink okay. a few hours into it no i'd love that actually we should let's work that out in the next few days i think that's actually a really good idea if it's okay. easy enough to do it let's do it um i actually i have i have six monitors here i had a problem with my mouse at first it kept leaving the screen and I'd be like far, and then my guy would just shoot up into the wall. I'd be like, ah, but uh, it's it's I, I enjoy it. I've been having fun playing it. You know, I I have like this like pipe dream of a perfect run where I'm gonna hit like a million points or something. But it hasn't well, and happened so, yet. Like, Mongrel, who who recently just set that high score, eight hundred thousand, right? Yeah, like yeah. which viewing some of these other uh, high score runs, like that's nuts. Because yeah, like it once, is nice. once it get gets past, faster like, and faster, yeah, yeah. Once they get past that like five ish minute mark, whatever, like it is ridiculously, you know, fast. Yeah. yeah, and so like you're you're almost entirely reliant on you know muscle memory and like that kind of flow state and being just in the zone at that point. It's all just mm-hmm. muscle memory and reaction time. Yeah. Um. So like, but that's that's where it comes down to like these are real athletes. Yes, like, no, know. they're real pro gamers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so uh, for for those that you know were taking kind of an amateurish crack at you know going for these high scores, I think it was maybe a little naive to think that somebody 
you know, in this case, an ex, you know, Fortnite pro would right. come in and take a crack at it. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited having like come from the video game streaming yeah. side of things uh, to see some of these guys, you know, getting some good attention in Web3. And obviously they were paying enough attention to to be interested in coming over and making the yeah. taking a crack at it. There's you know? probably a million dollars in that key. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I we don't know what it is yet. Right. right. Well, there's like, the one, whatever it is, it's a one-on-one Yuga asset, you know? Yeah. Like, so, it, yeah, right. it, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see 500 plus ETH bids the second yeah. that's minted. Right. Wow. That's wild. And yeah, that's fun. You saw there was an exploit found? Uh, Yeah. Orangey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it was, uh, no, it was, uh, I didn't no, recognize Orangey, who it was. Orangey got the other that. high score before Mongrel beat it. It was, uh, uh, I want to give him credit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the name. I should have. I should have given him credit. Wrote it down also. And I saw. I'll let you look. What I, I talked. They said they, they found an exploit where they're just like running through obstacles, and the obstacles don't kill them. And then somebody from Yuga might have even been Gordon a few days ago tweeted out, "We're we're watching everything. Like if we see any sketchy activity, it's going to be a zero score." Well, so that's the thing, right? Is is they are individually auditing. Uh, mm-hmm. the results. So that's where, like, not only do you have to, Cygar. Uh, okay. O-X-C-Y-G-A-A-R. Thank you for looking that up. Yeah. So I, I thought it was interesting because Yuga, in this case, is auditing all of the high scores to ensure that, you know, they're, they're legit runs. To some degree, I think that's great because, sure enough, you will have people, like, anytime there's money involved, uh, you're going to have people trying to you know, exploit it or or find a find a way to take advantage of the system, game the system kind of thing. So I think that's great. Where I think that it's interesting is what if somebody like what if they find something that they think is sketchy, and there's you know somebody contests that it's a legit run, and they're kicked off the leaderboard. So I, I it's not a perfect solution. I do think it's right. good that they are auditing in in this case. Uh, but I think that we do need a solve for uh, more distributed authentication of legit runs. I know that there is a few proposed solutions to that problem. One of one of which uh, I know is going to be talked about quite a bit uh, here in the next month or so. But like, yeah, a a community uh, community validated score system uh, I think would be very impactful in something like a skill-based mint. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty wild. And uh, I'll, de- we'll definitely talk in the next couple of days. If you want to play around for a little while, I'd love to let you bang on it. And it's, it's a fun game I mean, for what it is. You know, I haven't played a lot of games, but it's fun for me. Yeah. Getting in definitely gets, you know, frustrated when I hit something or make a bad move. Sometimes I click and it doesn't dash. I get real pissed. I'm like, how could that happen? But- <laughs> I'm down to give it a try. Cool. That's what's up. Doodles 2 is going to be on Flow. That's kind of interesting. They're moving. They're trying to connect with the masses. It's going to be kind of customizable. It sounds like it's going to be not not open edition per se, but pretty unlimited. I think they're going to, going to be selling as many as they can or even giving them away or however they decide to distribute. Um, they want people to have them. Yeah. And so like this is, this is another really interesting. I, I look at it as an experiment. It's a big swing, right? Mm-hmm. It, they're they're taking uh, a a pretty massive effort towards um 
taking a, a different approach at appealing to the masses. And I think unanimously or almost unanimously, people would say that Flow has a superior onboarding custody solution. Like it, it, it's far superior to having anyone, you know, like go the route of uh, having to take down their own seed phrase and right. custody their and own mask. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, uh, it's just not viable for the masses yet. So I think that the, the move to flow is it, it was contentious. You know, mm-hmm. there was definitely some pretty high profile, loud voices saying that it's maybe not uh, as great of a thing as, as they were projecting it to be, but I got to give the doodles team credit. Like they, they are certainly, uh, you know, going up to bat and swinging for the fences. Yep. And uh, at the very least, I, I, I got to respect them for that. Do I think that flow is the end all be all for anything, you know, quote unquote web three like heavy emphasis air quotes because it is a very centralized ecosystem mm-hmm. um no i don't but given the use case i think it's uh like if they can leverage that uh and do something similar to what top shots did you know two years ago uh there was a lot of people that were onboarded to top shots and eventually moved to more decentralized uh platforms i.e ETH. thousand percent. So many people. Yeah. I myself mean, and Andy included. Literally, like there was an entire generation yeah. of NFT yeah. enthusiasts yeah. that were onboarded via Top Shot yeah. and went over to, you know, Ethereum. Thousand so if Doodles can do something similar to where like it gets people's beaks wet, you know, and kind of tinkle, you know, tickles that interest and that intrigue to where people go deeper down the rabbit hole. I think it's great. I, I have my one doodle. I'm yeah. excited. Oh, cool. That's what's up. But yeah, I, I, I'm I, looking for, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I heard their CEO, Julian, on Rug Radio, uh, GM with Rug Radio, whatever whatever they call it, GM Web 3, um, this week. And, you know, he talked all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, he's obviously a good speaker and said all different things are doing, music and animation. They bought that animation studio um, just a few days ago. News. Yeah, that was big news. That was big news for sure. And he uh, he made a really good analogy about what they're doing with respect to the flow move. Do you know that Italian restaurant in Harlem called Rayos, R-A-O-S? I don't think so. It's a famous place. It's like 100 years old. You have okay. to like be grandfathered a table or be like super famous to get in there. But they also sell their sauce in grocery stores. So he said like having the original doodle is like having a table, being able to get into the restaurant. You're always going to be you know top of the food chain, number one. But- you know, everybody else can have a taste. You can go to the grocery store and buy a little thing. That's the doodles too. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought that was a really good analogy. It kind of well, and I think that's where sense. maybe we're just still so early in in NFTs to where it seems like doodles is you know coming out of left field with this one. But I just think it's different avenues, right? Yeah. I, I yeah. think that for a lot of people that were naysayers or or. Uh, detractors of this move, they were like, okay, how does this pump my bags? Or like, how does them buying a studio pump my bags? Right. Thousand percent. They're like, yeah, I want, give me, give me an ETH NFT that I could sell. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I can appreciate that, mm-hmm. but you said it earlier, like, you know, choose, you pick your jockey. Um, if you're already in and see the vision for what it is that they're doing, 
which is, in my opinion, a broader media play. Uh, I think it's it's certainly an interesting approach, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I yeah. again, I think that them succeed like others, others, uh, you know, succeeding doesn't take away from anyone else's opportunity to succeed. Totally. So I'm hoping you know for their success. Yep, and you know, uh, Live Nation's going to flow also for their tickets. Oh wow. Yeah, they announced that a few months ago. Kind of uh, quiet, I don't think but, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Live Nation's using Flow. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, one of the guys who is uh, who is consulting for them was one of the original Dapper people, so that's one gotcha. of the reasons they're doing that. Um, like the well, their biz dev team is yeah killing it. <laughs> yeah, it's like between uh, Flow and Polygon. They're right, exactly, exactly. Those are the two. Those are the two that you know. Starbucks is using Polygon. Reddit's using Polygon. I think Disney's invested in Polygon. Like Polygon's on like their like fast track program or whatever. Uh, I forget what the program's called. But yeah, yeah, it's not the yeah, it's not the program. It is something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like yeah. their incubator or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah, Polygon yeah, and Flow are the two that can between like uh, the the. Like core Polygon team, Fwiz coming from YouTube and taking over Polygon Studios, like all of the gaming initiatives that they have going on, uh, extremely uh, bullish on on Polygon. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, Polygon for sure. Um, but both of them, obviously, you can't you can't put something like that that people need to constantly transact on ETH because if gas goes back to two hundred, people are gonna be like, what the fuck? You know, they're not gonna be able to. Yeah. And and that's where I again it's fit for the use case, right? Uh, right. You know, we we see a lot of these ethel twos, these side chains that are, you know, coming up with uh, different proposed solutions to like the scalability. You know, obviously ETH for security kind of problems, but it, it it's all the you know all back to the blockchain trilemma, and uh, they're all trying to take their different shots at at solving for that scalability component. But I I think it's more, you know, fit for the use case and uh, finding the solution that works right for the problem. I I don't think that we're going to, you know, see one blockchain to rule them all. Um, You know, the the future is most definitely multi-chain. And uh, I think that there are certainly chains that are better than others for certain things. Yeah. But, you know, fit for the use case. Totally. And I had this set up for the end, but it actually fits in right now. Did you see California is going to be uh, digitizing their car titles? They're testing the Tezos blockchain right now. Yeah. And they, it, they're going to. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but like, okay. it's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I I have a lot of art on Tez. Yeah, I know you do. We talked about that last time. You collect yeah. a lot on Tez. I have a little bit. You, you've always been. a. But like, so here's the thing for me. I'm not particularly bullish on Tezos as a blockchain. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely bullish on the creators and the and the creator economy that has been built on Tezos. Yep. So I can't speak to the DeFi aspects of Tezos or like the Tezos Foundation, any of that. I, I'm not well-educated enough. Uh, Mem- and remember that dude I- that used to always be on Clubhouse? What was that guy's name? Kevin? Remember that guy? He was always like, such- I wasn't going to go there, but yes. I'm <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, but I, a- I do have a lot of art on Tez because yeah. I, I like the creators there and it's definitely more approachable in price point compared to 
uh, a lot of that, a lot it of is. similar work, even from the same artists on Eve. Yeah, this, I was going to say that a lot of the artists that people know we had on Mumbot and Pop Wonder last week, and both of them do stuff on Tezos, like, you know, for cheaper than it is on ETH. There's definitely a lot of really good artists. Well, and it's it's definitely pros, cons, right? Like, yeah. it, we've seen that there's definitely a premium paid on ETH for, you know, that liquidity and the reflexivity of the market. Like, mm-hmm. when shit pops off on ETH, like, it really can pop off. There's not the 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 volume liquidity uh, or or market right now on Tezos to have the that same kind of uh, market reactions. So pros and cons, but at the same yeah. time, uh, I I've used this analogy a bunch, but like I look at it like my my casino money, yeah. To where like if I have enough fun to justify the expense, it's worth it to me. And uh, the fact that I'm like able to support creators and even if it all goes to zero which i don't think it will or that it all will um then i still have a picture that i like at the end of the day like totally that's that's probably gonna pay off pretty big one day all those artists all that art you've been collecting and you know who to collect like you don't you're not just like randomly just like buying whatever you know what i mean i mean a little bit of both yeah yeah. there my my tez wallet definitely has a, a bunch of nonsense in it too but i sure. am pretty proud of some of the stuff yeah. that i that i hold there that's what's up that's cool that's uh that's good to know so let me circle back back to gaming i want to hear your take we've talked about it before we've been talking about it for a year and a half more than that what's web3 gaming what's coming what's really going to hit what makes sense for web3 gaming so i i boil web3 gaming down to sovereign ownership of digital assets. Like to me, when that clicked, that's what drove me into the NFT space. Like it didn't, all of this speculation aside, I think that is a fundamental value add to gaming is the players being able to sovereignly own their in-game items or, you know, allowance of access to those games, which I I think that's a, a largely overlooked part of NFTs as a technology is right now a lot of people perceive NFTs as only in-game items. But using like the analogy of of the disc, right? One of the primary monetization methods for game developers was, you know, putting out games to play. You buy a $60 disc. And when you were done with that disc, you could take it to GameStop or lend it to your neighbor or, you know, whatever get fair market value for whatever that that game is when you were done playing with it or when you moved on you can't do that with a digital download and one thing that like nfts as a you know token gating mechanism could allow is that you could have that monetization method and enable allowance of access to playing the game with an nft and they could then sell that on the free and open market for whatever the fair market value of that game is I, I don't think that I think gaming is so broad that we've only scratched the surface of where Web3 gaming is going to go. Um, I do think that over the next, you know, call it 12, 24 months, we're going to see a ridiculous amount of content and games that have been in development for the last, you know, two years or so uh, that are going to come out and shake up the market quite a bit. Um, but I think it's both top down and bottom up like there's going to be some of these indie studios that put out great content that you know are 
you've heard all the buzzwords, right? You've heard play to earn, play to, you know, a P2E, P, a free to own, all, like all of the acronyms. It's all just marketing. It's all just, you know, having you buy into their marketing buzz of, of the, of the day. Yep. Um, but I don't think it's one size fits all. There's some, you know, game, uh, developers that are going to take the approach of like, Hey, you buy this single NFT for 50, 60, hundred dollars. And that's your lifetime access to the game. There's going to be some that are entirely free. Uh, Gabe and Digi Daigaku are, are kind of popularizing this. Just come yep. in, mint a free NFT, factory NFT model. They'll, you know, print more. And the more that the game is played, the more desirable those underlying assets may be. I don't think that, you know, that's necessarily the, like that's, it might be the solution that works for them, but I don't think it's the only solution. I, I look at, you know, games like Fortnite, CSGO, Roblox uh, as some of these economies that are like ripe for being blockchain backed totally. uh, where, you know, they basically have real, real money uh, marketplaces already. It's just that the assets are essentially leased by these players, gate kept by their accounts. Uh, and the, the players don't ha- have the ability to transact with them, you know, sovereignly outside of that ecosystem so it's going to be a really interesting you know a couple of years but you know whether it's epic games or activision blizzard or rockstar or one of these like you know massive developers that pivot to developing a blockchain-backed economy uh i you know i'm somewhat holding my breath Mm -hmm. I, i we know that you know there are entities like Microsoft and others that are exploring, you know, blockchain technology. So I do think it is coming. But in the meantime, there's probably going to be, you know, a good handful of indie developed games that not these AAA caliber hundred million dollar budget, you know, titles, but, you know, a couple of scrappy developers that put a fun game together that pops yeah. off. Yeah, I'm interested to see what that does. I've been waiting. I bought like a bunch of those gal, you know, gala games. Uh-huh. I bought their token a while back, crashed on me like everything else, but it's been coming back a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm really interested to see like that. My son is six years old. He plays Fortnite. He's always asking me to buy skins, and I'm I'm trying not to do it. And like if he, but if he did own them, sure, I would let him buy some, but not just but that's, to that's give them money. It, it's it's one of those things where like I I look at how much money I've spent on Fortnite, Apex, totally. yeah. you know, some of these other games. Where I I have no recourse. I, I'm literally just yeah. buying a flex. Right. It, right. I can't move it. I can't sell it. I can't like if I stop playing the game, it's just sunk cost. And uh, the ability to be, uh, you know, to say, hey, I'm done playing this this game or one of those skins goes on to be, you know, hyper desirable and rare sometime in the future. Uh, it would be a clear value add to be able to resell that on the open mm-hmm. market. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, felt that way about some of their Overwatch skins, their CSGO skins, some of that stuff, uh, where it would have been really nice to, you know, be able to do that. But the, the you know, kind of developer, publisher, uh, consumer relationship just isn't there right now. Yeah. And so until we, you know, build from the bottom up and hit that inflection point where 
consumers start demanding sovereign ownership of their digital assets from some of these larger studios. I don't think we'll, you know, have that overnight success. So I think it's more realistic to think that there, I mean, we, we might be surprised. Who knows? Maybe, maybe right. one of these big uh, companies will come out and um, drop something unexpected. But uh, in the meantime, there are a lot of, a lot of really good work being done, you know, native to web three. Yeah, they so they probably make so much money as it is. They're just like, oh, let's not. They don't have the boat. incentive. Yeah, exactly. Let's not. If it ain't broken, well, don't fix it. But that's where. Uh, so I talked about like the the developer publisher consumer relationship. Publishers, as it stands, uh, you know, whether it be Steam or Apple for the iPhone, take like a twenty to thirty percent haircut mm-hmm. off of you know almost all revenue. That's the the distribution. You're paying for the ability to to get in front of more eyeballs. Yep. And uh, I I don't know what the actual stats are. I should probably look it up. But like a absolutely ridiculous few companies control like eighty to ninety percent of all revenue all revenue in gaming. Indie studios, far and large, are not successful. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I think more equitable uh, revenue streams. And aligning of incentives from developer to consumer is in it is in everyone's best interest. Like if a small scrappy studio can put together an awesome fun game and find some of that like product market fit and go and raise, you know, a couple hundred grand from an initial token sale and, uh, you know, have that runway for a couple of years. I think that's just as good of a use case as, you know, uh, the next million, you know, hundred million player game. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch it play out. I really love your perspective. Sometimes you even talk over my head, but I love, I love hearing, I love hearing what you have to say. And it's uh, gaming. Gaming is it's such a big, giant, multi-billion-dollar industry that I mean, eventually it is. Like you said, there's going to be a company that that comes out and says like a lot of them are building quietly. They don't want to say they're doing it now. A lot of the gamers even say that they don't want NFTs, which is kind of crazy. Well, I think a lot of that, it's a combination of misinformation, uh, like friction and stigma around existing monetization methods. You know, you look at how uh, extractive the like loot box model was. Um. You know, this transition from like traditional gaming towards uh, free to play and like microtransactions and all of that stuff. It's all it's all remnants and kind of like residual hesitancy to trust developers. They they look at NFTs as like, oh, it's just their new way of pulling more money out of us. Again, I think that's application, application of the tech, not intrinsic to the tech. And so uh, are there some that like may have tried to tie it to NFTs in order to make more money? Probably. Yeah. I mean, like they're a business. They have to be profitable. They have to make money. Do I think that it's necessarily at the expense of the user? No. Like I think that there are fundamental layers of blockchain and and NFTs that are value adds to to the user, to the player. But a lot of that is like, you know, we, we saw all the environmental arguments that are now, you know, kind of been addressed with the Ethereum switch to proof of stake and a lot of that. Yeah. Um, we, we heard the arguments of like, oh, they stole all our GPUs because all of, uh, you know, the GPUs were being bought up by crypto miners. 
Um, and there was actually some truth to that. There was like a GPU shortage for a good while because crypto was buying them all up. But like, you know, some a, a lot of these different avenues have been addressed. And so I think a lot of it's really lowering of friction for onboarding, whether it be via custodial, custodial wallets uh, or at the like blockchain level going, you know, improving UI UX and things of that nature for, for self-custody. Uh, again, wallet abstraction, uh, making it more accessible and, and safe and protected for everyday users. And then fiat, fiat on ramps, being able to, you know, spend, you know, like just plop your credit card in and <laughs> right. be able to buy, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. Uh, I think addressing a lot of those problems will go a long way towards bringing down some of those barriers for the more hesitant traditional gamer. M- most gamers don't care. Right. They just they I mean, just want to play just, a good game. I think they're going to love to own their stuff when they when they finally can cuz they they're going to want to get into games early and get like the unique early skins or weapons or whatever it is and own that stuff like I don't know. I think eventually they'll see that. Yeah. But initially they're just going to want to get in and play a game. Right. And then yeah, down the, game the road has to be good. Right. Yeah, and then down the road when they're like, "Oh snap, I played that game. It's it's popping off. It's huge and yeah. you know popular yeah. now." Oh, maybe that, you know, oh, that stuff that I, you know, played early on is worth something now. Like, that's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. I think that's definitely the the route that we're going to see. It, it won't be the, you know, the first or only time. It's going to happen more and more. Yeah. Cool. Let's get into Pixel Vault a little bit. We haven't talked about Pixel Vault at all. I'm still collecting. I still have stuff. I claimed my inhabitants dot. I think I needed a Mint Pass 2. Mm-hmm. To claim my dot. I think I only had one and I got my dot. And I've been seeing the people are like evolving theirs and they're at like level three, level four. Can I do that with mine or did I need more assets? So the the dots are exponentially deflationary. So okay. what you have uh with the tier one dot, the Evo one. Yep. Yep. That's just one min pass two for one Evo one. Um, it's in a what what's called a crush. It's basically like crush. It stands for like uh like a cradle, but it, it assigns all your traits. If you want the like kind of cute dot, then you mm-hmm. do need to get another mint pass two or another okay. dot, to, you know, to burn for it. And so as it goes up these evos, these evolutions, it yep. gets yep. exponentially more costly in fragments whether it be min pass twos or other dots to cannibalize to be able to evolve them so we've had a lot of these uh questions around you know what tier do i need to get to because there's six of them Uh, and so not everyone's going to make it to to evo six and that's okay it's kind of designed to be that way but it, it introduces this really interesting community curation dynamic to where what dots are more desirable or more aesthetic aren't it's not based on you know statistical rarity uh it's it's more so based on community curation and what what dots end up being burned to evolve other dots and uh so like what's the example i use is like there may be a trait at evo 2 that is not super desirable and so it's mm-hmm. as a result it's burned disproportionately often gotcha. and then at the next evo it's super badass so now all of a sudden something that was you know 
intrinsically, you know, more rare because people were burning it more often is all of a sudden really hype and really cool. Um, or something that, you know, because it was less desirable uh, and was burned more frequently is then more rare. Does the very virtue of it being more rare then make it more desirable? Uh, so it's got this really interesting kind of push-pull dynamic um, and ultimately, the the holders of the collection, the you know the the users, will decide what the ulti- like what the final rarity looks like. Wow, there's there's so much going on with them, and um, so are you only up to evolution three now? Is that yeah. where it's at? Who did all the yeah. art? Uh, so Odious is the creative director. We are working with a an independent studio, uh, mm-hmm. fit, doing the polished art for the dots. Uh, I don't know that that that's been made public. So I hesitate to say, but they are an incredible partner and they've been uh, extremely, extremely great at just providing like just super high caliber work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Odious gets a lot of cr- uh, credit for the creative direction. Inhabitants is kind of his baby. Um, but a special shout out to the studio. Uh, again, I hesitate to say, cause I, I don't want to, yeah, uh, you know, right. <laughs> Put something out there. I, I don't want to be. Yeah, speak out of turn there. I hear, um, that. I hear that. But they are. No, there's they a, are. there's a lot going on with these. They are really cool. I actually really like my one. Um, so I see there's 2,400 threes at this point out of 15,000. That's yep. pretty neat. That's pretty neat, man. It, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, every two weeks or so, uh, we have mm-hmm. a community event for them. Um, every four weeks or so is when the new evolutions come out. Cool. So next month we'll have Evo four. Uh, and you know, in, in, I think it's this upcoming week, we'll be having, uh, the anomaly events, which are kind of the, the fun, ultra rare aesthetic upgrades. Oh, wow. And those are do- all done live on chain via, ch- uh, chain link VRF. So it's, it's kind of like a cool, uh, interim incentive to upgrade to the highest available tier at the time. Um, but yeah, aside from that, you know, punks, punks comics kind of been chugging along. Uh, we got punks four kind of in the wings, uh, for those that, that haven't, you know, maybe followed along, uh, there, there was, uh, an interesting kind of burn dynamic that was introduced for punks four, five, and six projecting out, you know, for the rest of the year, uh, that requires burning of punks two and three. So, uh, an interesting kind of uh, deflationary mechanism there, just providing, you know, more content. Ultimately, it is, you know, an IP. And so we need to keep telling stories. But this was a really interesting way for us to do that without introducing more tokens. And uh, on the the inhabitants side, the 3v3 brawler game, we've got a announcement coming in the coming weeks uh, regarding the protocol that we've been incubating. Uh, which is particularly exciting. Hmm. Um, it's essentially the the protocol that is uh, the the layers underneath the brawler game. The brawler is kind of like a flagship title to kind of showcase what what this protocol is capable of. Uh, and when that white paper light paper drops, um, I think it's going to be a, a very interesting topic of discussion. That's coming soon. Uh, in the next few weeks, yeah. Before the end of yep. February, I think is is kind of when it's been promised. So in the next three to four weeks, you guys always have so much going on. And one of my original favorite NFTs, the uh, the Founders DAO, 
I just looked it up right now. Not financial advice, but 0.2198. I might even snag a couple more. Uh, the Founders DAO has been like cranking, which. Okay. Uh, so uh, the Founders DAO was originally set up as a burn for Punk's comic number one. Right. Uh, it's since had its own official entity set up. Uh, and it's gotten an executive committee, uh, kind of a steering committee, uh, like multi-sig signers have been turned over and, uh, the communications committee established. Uh, so massive kudos to the, the team that's been working over there. Uh, I am a founders Dow token holder as well. So I've mm-hmm. kind of been staying on top of it. Um, but they've been putting in a lot of good work. They, uh, recently sold a couple of, uh, Apes and mutants got a a good good amount of ETH and have leveraged that back into the inhabitants ecosystem in in anticipation of the brawler. Uh, so, massive shout out to the founders DAO, the executive team, the communications team, the multi sig signers have all been putting in some really really good work. That's wild. I gotta I gotta pay more attention. And I know that there's a really good chat in the Pixel Vault Discord that's like token gated for the founders DAO. And I used to yep. go in there all the time. I haven't been in there as much. I'll probably shoot in there tomorrow when we release the podcast and say what's up. And yeah, you should. we chatted. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll definitely come say what's up. I'm honestly probably going to snag one or two more. So what is still in the vault? Have they sold a bunch of stuff or is that kind of the only sale they've had? I think that's about all they've sold to date. Yeah. There's still some ridiculously, you know, exceptional one of one art. There's still yep. a lost Robbie. Um, they still get the first of all, uh, just about every mint from from Pixel Vault. Um, so yeah, like there's a one of one Hackettow, one of one Robbie right. Trevino, one of one Killer Acid, uh, the uh, Lost Robbie, which I think recently there was one that sold for you know over a hundred ETH. Uh, so they they still have quite quite the vault. Um, and as of recently, they did sell uh, a couple of Yuga assets. And leverage that into buying, I think it was a hundred mint passes and in uh inhabitant generative identities as kind of uh, a play on on Pixel Vault. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, they, they're sitting on a, a little bit of a war chest there. Yeah. I mean, if you do the math, you know, there's sixty-one there's uh fifty-nine hundred of them at point, you know, two one nine. That's about twelve hundred, eleven hundred and fifty ETH or so. So they, it's almost, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, um, yeah, even if you break it down to like liquidation value, it's right, a, right, it's a pretty, pretty good opportunity. But yeah, like, to me, to me, the founders DAO is definitely more so the the networking and the connections. Because, I mean, even to this day, it's just been a ridiculously active chat. A lot of exceptional yeah. traders and stuff like that. Kind of like people talk about alpha chats a lot and stuff like that, but. Uh, the Founders DAO has always kind of been my my home group, uh, and there's just some ridiculous talent that's uh, come to call the Founders DAO home. I need to be I need to be in there more for sure. Uh, I've been a, I've been a proud Founders DAO holder since since they came out. Uh, you know, whatever it is, a long time ago, but I haven't been I haven't been very active in there. I need to be. It's a good. I've always good, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good group. And cool. with with what all the progress that they've been making, you know, as far as uh, the executive committee, the communications committee, they've done a lot of improvements on uh, getting delegation and stuff like that. So, like, there, there's a lot of 
interest and movement, some good proposals that have uh, come and gone, passed and been ratified. So they're, yeah, they're putting in some good work. Shout out to nice. Founders Dow. Yeah, shout out to Founders Dow. That's what's up. Anything else you want to say about Pixel Vault? What's going on, or any anything like that? Or uh, you kind of got uh, you. I'll have more to share in the coming weeks, so okay. we might have to revisit we, or have. A space we might have to. We might have to. Yeah, I see you on Spaces all the time now with Economist and. Uh, yeah, so we definitely thing. took a, a little bit of a step back, uh, you know, in, in 2022. We're definitely mm-hmm. making a, a a very large effort towards being more vocal and active, uh, or or at least in the public eye, uh, in 2023. And uh, I, I mean, I think that people have seen it already thus far this year, just in January. Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen it. I've definitely noticed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because it, it's now... A, a a very outward facing part of my job is being more active uh, in addition to being something that like personally I've been interested in pursuing again. So yeah, uh, I mean, cool. for Pixel Vault, we've got a lot coming with, you know, the, the auto brawler. I believe we have another update that should be going live probably near the time that this is being published. Uh, kind of our devlog style state of, you know, where things are at in development of the game. Um, and then, yeah, the, the protocol light paper is going to be, uh, very interesting to follow. Cool. It, it enables all sorts of things that, uh, I mean, we talked on, on gaming earlier, like talking about the, the developer publisher consumer relationship and things of that sort, uh, and how gamers can have access, uh, to incentivization of active participation and skill-based skill-based gaming it's it's going to be fun cool that's what's up now pixel vault i mean they, you guys have been building and building and doing all kinds of crazy stuff i know the whole market kind of did its thing but you guys are still cranking through it and putting out new stuff and i was happy when i got my dot i really liked the one i got and it's uh there's a lot going on obviously yeah a lot going well, on and, uh, clearing up uh you know the, there's been a lot of our uh community that has said you know uh, what's going on with this? Or we've seen a lot of, you know, faces that mm-hmm. may have taken a step away that are, you know, starting to come back. Um, so that's been really exciting, but uh, clarifying our messaging, you know, really focusing in on our core IPs of punks comic and inhabitants uh, is really a, a big focus for 2023. So uh, laying out the the framework in 2022, we did a lot of uh, time laying out the infrastructure kind of, building the pipes underneath to to enable us to go and build all this cool stuff. Uh, but 2023 is going to be a lot of, a lot of execution, uh, a lot more kind of communication and marketing to help clarify what it is yeah. that all this stuff does and what you can do with it. So I'm particularly excited for that. Cause I mean, even, even us just talking about it on this show. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a good, uh, good opportunity to help. Uh, not only reconnect with those that are existing holders that may have, you know, taken a step away, but uh, introduce some new faces to to the cool stuff we've been doing. That's what's up. It's hard, man. Everyone's trying to figure out these Web3 businesses and you guys got so big so fast. People, I don't know what people were expecting. You know what I mean? But uh, that's good to see. I'm excited for what's coming. Pixel Vault's going to be a name that's going to, you know, be around for a long time. People are going to know it. Well, and uh, Maybe kind of a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things that I, I've kind of observed in NFTs is that a lot of teams focus on the IP 
you know, de- developing of, you know, their stories, whether they're, you know, focusing on, uh, you know, the, the IP of their own collection or enabling their collectors to monetize their own IP. I think one of the things that Pixel Vault has gotten credit for is its technical prowess that our our development and you know QA and uh operations teams are like second to none. Um you know the the development of the mint pass uh the punks comic 2 mint with uh you know the on-chain uh kind of raffle system like kind of almost that sneakerhead style Q yeah. system leveraging of chainlink VRF for verifiable on-chain randomness and things of that nature. Uh, I think you know the the implementation that we're going to see with the the three v three inhabitant sprawler uh, is going to be kind of the next showcase of of Pixel Vault's technical prowess. Nice. Well, that's what's up. Let's. Uh, this is probably going to be our longest episode ever, which is really cool. It's awesome chatting up with you. Are a wealth of knowledge, man. Like you, you, you just whatever I bring up. But uh, so let's see. There's a couple more things on the list. Before Let's I will let them. you go. Let's run through them. Did, so we talked about the good. We talked about the bad, the ugly. Well, we don't need to talk about it too much, but you saw the tri- Twitter drama Friday night with the Twitter Spaces host, the very popular with Schilling, Dylan, and Bart. I, I think I know what you you're talking you, about. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to get into that too much. I, I, it cracks me up. I actually, I, I wasn't like, you know, for entertainment, I was listening to Alex almost every day. I talked about it a bunch on this, like, it got pretty interesting for a while. Then it got kind of the same old thing over and over again. And um, but if for anyone that didn't know, that dude Bark's girlfriend put out a thread and talked about all kinds of stuff. And then it got this whole drama. There was like everybody that you know in the NFT space was in the space on Friday night listening. And, and then they went so, to one with the girlfriend. Go I'll ahead. put this out there because yeah. I I'm not a huge fan of either of these gentlemen these sure. these personalities the way that they carry themselves or or have carried themselves in the past uh you know controversy for sake of controversy or like reality tv style that's what it programs. is it's like jerry it's like jerry springer yeah and uh, to be fair like as engaging of content that may be it's not my cup of tea i i can recognize that they have a talent for it that they have a, a particular style that is uh, really engaging and entertaining to a lot of people. Uh, it's not for me. It, so I'll, I'll put that out there that I'm not a huge fan of either of those individuals, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that and, and everything in web three needs to be, you know, up for public scrutiny that I, I wish they would have been able to resolve some of this privately without it becoming, you know, the talk of NFT Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I really just hope, you know, for all involved that they're able to come to some resolution of this uh, and and move on with their lives. I recognize that, you know, having read the thread, uh, that there were some people that were hurt, like really mm-hmm. hurt, that there was, you know, some some circumstances of like people moving around the world uh, and, and, you know, leaving behind family members, girlfriends, wives, et cetera. I I don't know the specifics, but like the fact that I even know that much, I I think that. Right. Right. 
But you know what I they mean? Went to, they went to Taiwan to be with that dude, Machi Big Brother, who everybody's called out as a scammer. Like, honestly, like... I didn't I didn't find them very genuine when the questions were being asked. I think that they were trying like I don't think that they were being very truthful. I I, I don't know. Like it it rubbed me the wrong way very much. And they're still going to try and sell something to everybody eventually. Yeah. I'm not and, yeah. and I'm sure that is the case, but at right. the same time I just if it were anyone else, like if this if this were uh Gordon and his you know and his girlfriend or like yeah. if this if this were uh Zagabond and somebody else or you know, you know what I'm saying like um would you be I shocked if it was Zagabond <laughs> I, I maybe a bad example yeah but, yeah bad example bad example but just just you know putting yeah. it into perspective that if this was anyone but uh you know two of the more controversial uh personalities in web3 right. I I don't think it would have been received and and spread like wildfire like it did right um and the other side of it is like you know a lot of people were arguing that they that they put this upon themselves and again i i think that i i'm i'm firmly in the kind of camp of personal accountability and responsibility for your own actions but i don't know that your dirty laundry needs to be aired on twitter i wish that they would have you know it maybe resolved it before it came to the point that she felt the need to to publish something like that. Um, but obviously it did get to a point where she felt that she needed to uh, kind of put it out there to be known. Yeah. It, it, it's just not, not a great look all the way around. No, it wasn't. I found some of like D's was roasting them. I, the 2021 people do not like that, that crowd so much. The question. I mean, it's, it's, I think that, what what they did in in their very quick rise to notoriety you know in the in the farming of engagement in kind of these super aggressive you know loud spaces uh you know th- there was there was some flair to it and it it mm-hmm. was it was kind of one of those like train wrecks that you can't take your eyes that's off that's what of. it was that's exactly what it was the whole thing that Shill and Villain's whole thing has been a train wreck that you can't take your eyes off. That's kind of what it's been. And but I definitely is, got into it. I was listening. I would argue every that day. it was designed that way. Yeah, it was. Of course. Of course it was. He's he's not, uh, you know, a, a a naive individual. Like he knows what he's right. doing. Totally. Um. Totally. So, yeah, it's it's the the controversy and the drama was was sad to see. I'm you know, I hope for everyone involved that they're able to move on come to some sort of resolution and and kind of put it behind them um but it definitely wasn't a good look for the space no it wasn't that's why i called it the ugly i think we should move on as well because that's even a crappy topic but it was interesting i wanted to hear your take and notable whatever it was yeah it was notable it was notable for the week another i got two more things to talk about uh you remember my buddy af from clubhouse he was was it one of the hosts with me a lot of times early on. Yeah, he came from. He was actually the one that brought me to Clubhouse. Um, we were doing the VV thing on Facebook, and he was like, mm-hmm. "Let's do a Clubhouse room." He's been working for like the last six months or so with this uh, sports icon Lion Club. You heard of that at all, or no? It's, I don't it's know. A little bit, it's a little bit niche. Yeah. So they're. A, I don't know. How, I think they've been around since 2021. He's been working for six months. He's always telling me, asking me. They're like. They give out, you know, tickets to people that are holders. If they have a bunch of holders in Boston, they'll buy, 
you know, Patriots tickets and raffle them off F1 different nice. things. And it's, and, uh, it's just, I actually bought one today because the price is really low. It's, it's 0.01. Like you get it really cheap and he's a good dude. And they're just always giving out tickets to games to people. And like, that's their thing. And they have a marketing budget for it. And, you know, it, it's not easy to be a project that the floor goes down, the volume gets low and you keep, doing your thing. So I just wanted to give a shout out. I love Af. He showed me a really good time in NFT London. We nice. went, we, I was actually, we hung out with Q and I was with Af, you know, Q, obviously mm-hmm. one of my favorite people in the world. Q's amazing. Just to, to your point, um, I'm bullish on, you know, some of those smaller independent projects, Yeah, you know, that, that just keep working. That are right. sticking like, around, that are sticking around. They, yep. they might not have, you know, the attention or the volume, you know, currently, uh, but have well-intentioned, hardworking people at the helm. That's what it is. And y- I think as people continue to see, like, and and this is with like a big asterisk, like as long as they have, you know, the right team and, and enough runway and the ability to keep executing. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, you know, some businesses, a lot of businesses fail. But I think, you know, we're still so early in the space that we've seen a lot of that churn already, um, whether it be from, you know, hyped, successful, you know, quote unquote, successful mints uh, or not, you know, some of those projects that are able to just hang on and survive. I'm very curious to see, uh, you know, whether or not we'll see a resurgence of some of these projects that have maybe gone by the wayside uh, as far as attention or volume goes, but they just continue to put out good work. Yeah. Some of them might even end up getting bought by other projects. Like, you know, there might be some consolidation there for people that are still merger, merger and acquisition season. Right. I talked about, we talked about that. We had uh, NFT bark on Steve a couple weeks ago. And we talked a lot about that. Like that's going to happen. I mean, we've seen a couple NFT projects change hands and that's absolutely going to happen. If Um, people knew some of the, uh, the projects that, like I've I've heard getting shop around. I think mm, uh, oh, really? people would be very surprised. Really but, interesting. Um, not necessarily like you know for sake of concern of you know the team or the project or whether yeah. or not they're successful or not. But like, um, I think some some projects are coming to that point of realization where uh you know it may it may have been you know a great idea a great artist, a great, you know, developer, maybe a good community built around it, but to scale beyond a certain point, you know, you either need outside assistance, you know, you need to bring in a new CEO, you need to uh be acquired to have the budget or the runway to keep doing what you're doing, what whatever the cases may be. But it is yeah, it is an interesting uh shakeup. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. There's definitely going to be things like that happening. The last piece of news I had on here is: uh, Are we of the is the conventional wisdom that Sartoshi is back now? This R.I.P. Satoshi account. Uh, apparently, apparently, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, but they're saying that they're going to give. Uh, the, when end of Sartoshi happened, I was kind of a vocal opponent. I didn't like how that went down. I mean, we talk about cash grabs like that felt like straight up cash grab, but I know it was like performance art. And nobody I mean, had to buy to their, it. To their credit, it was exactly what they said it was. Yeah, facts. I mean, facts for sure. Um, but like, yeah, to to have your uh, kind of right off into the sunset 
and then yeah. uh, come come back from the dead to right. do another mint. Granted, right. the mint is supposedly a free claim to the to the open edition holders and all that stuff. Right. But- yeah. The new one is going to be there's it's a twenty thousand piece PFP where the sixteen thousand holders of the sixteen thousand you know end of Sartoshi tokens will get a free one for yeah. sure. So yeah. like, I'm trying to give some leeway there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it it is. I I I hesitate to like project one way or the other on it because it's kind of like a big question mark looming in the air of like, well, okay, like maybe it'll leave again. Maybe they do a couple thousand maybe volume he just and drops then another projects right. and yeah, disappears yeah. again. Who knows? Right, right, yeah. So it's um, uh, yeah, but it, it is intriguing. Yeah, I hope that they redeem because I didn't love. I like I said, I didn't love how NF Sartoshi went down. So hopefully they do redeem it and it comes something really cool. That yep. would be that would be nice. Be I nice mean, as far as the plot. memes went, like twenty twenty one, Sartoshi was definitely up. it. And MFers was awesome. That had a great <laughs> aesthetic, and it's still doing well. MFers actually has a great community, still doing well. Well, see, so here's I'm a not, question for you. Yeah, is yeah. Sartoshi returning bullish or bearish on MFers? It's got to be bullish, I would assume. You think? I mean, it had the price hasn't changed since he left. So, like, because it was like, did the price move like, when he came back? The price on the end of Sartoshi doubled, went from like 05 to 0.1. Oh, naturally. Yeah. Right. The, I think MFers has been really steady. Speaking of steady, yeah, I almost put, oh, yeah, I almost ahead. put MFers in like a, a similar, like, mental group as like cryptodes, which I'm actually wearing my cryptodes hat right sure. now. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, sentimentally um but yeah so i i almost think of mfers similarly to like cryptodes i almost group them in that same bucket as kind of this you know web3 native uh project kind of like uh it, it sits aside from what i would consider to be like most pfps um and the fact that they're pretty much uh, solely community run at this point it's it's like zero expectations, zero promises, uh, just the community and vibes. But yeah, I, I do look on them fondly. Nice. Yeah, I like I like MFers. I had a bunch. I was in and out of that for a while. Um, I'm only seeing 180 days of floor price on uh, DGens Finance, and he left in June of last year, so that was like seven months ago. So I'm not quite seeing it, but. It's been pretty steady. It was, you know, it was 1.2 for a long time, dipped up and down a little bit. It's at like 1.3 now, but it doesn't look like the price moved since he and since he came back. And if anything, it actually came down a little bit. I think it probably, okay, it looks like, okay, he probably announced he was, he probably came back right around the new year and it went from like 1.3 to 1.5 and now it's back at like 1.3. So it did have a little pump and yeah. So that is that. We're going to go over to top 10 volume uh, NFT sales for the last week real quick. That's how we typically end the show. It's been a pleasure to have you, man, as always. But let's see what we got going on over here, and then we can finish it up. Uh, Why is it not giving me the seven days? Seven days. Okay. NFT collection rankings by sales volume over seven days. And there's something wrong with it because sewer pass is not on there and that should be number one uh so crypto slam does not have it right i'm not sure why but 
They have Mutant Apes as number one, did 22 million. Bored Apes, number two, did 18. The Kennel Club did number three at 13 million. Yuga always crushing it. Azuki, we talked about Zagabond. Uh, Jenny's favorite project is number four at 10 million. Other D number five. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I always, I always say that. Well, neither of us like it. Like I don't, I don't like that. I don't like how that went down either. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan. But you can't argue with their success. They're at like 15 ETH. I mean, absolutely crushing it. Regardless of how you may feel about Zagabond individually, right? Uh, it's hard to deny Azuki's strength in marketing and branding. Yeah, like they have been exceptional in their in their presentation and yeah i mean like aside from you know him and his past right uh it, it's been phenomenally well executed yeah, and they're well. they're like the og anime project too right that's kind of i i wouldn't say og but like okay. certainly the one that brought like brought it to a whole nother echelon okay. fair enough fair enough uh, so rare's number six is pretty much always in the top 10. Now they do, you know, we talked about DraftKings Rainmakers. They do kind of the same thing with uh, like football around Which the world. Cool, Cause I think that yeah. flies under the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it does. And it's, it, they're, they're always up on there. Uh, D gods is number seven. Uh, Art blocks is number eight. That has a lot to do with the friendship bracelets that have been popping off. Um, Mutant hounds, number nine. I didn't realize they were. I'm so surprised high. to still see them up there. Yeah, I know. Yep. Or I wonder. Yep. I wonder is that volume based on the floor dropping and people trying to and exit? people just get rid of it? I know, and the, and the team still collects revenue. Yeah, I know for sure. I don't know. Um, and Beans is number ten. Another one that's really good. A kid called Beast. I haven't talked about that. That's number eleven. That's a pretty cool project. I've thought about. I haven't followed that. it much, to be yeah. honest. There's so much going on. It's hard to follow. But uh, yeah, man. So I love you, dude. It's always good. It's always good chat. And I appreciate you coming on. It definitely won't be the last time. We'll definitely appreciate get together me. in real life. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime something's happening and you want to you want to shout out or you just want to, you know, if you want me to even mention something or whatever it is. Um, anything else you want to shout out before we go? Any like. Any artists that like you think need some attention? Anything you think is really cool happening? You can feel free to. Dang. I always like to give people a chance. Yeah, I put you put on, the me spot. on the spot. Right, I put there. you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, I've been uh, collecting. Like, let me just pull up my wallet real quick. Yeah. Um, Bongdo doing some really cool like three D glitch art type work. Five hundred. Uh, who who their Twitter go by like I think it's five five zero zero arts. Uh do some like really, really cool uh almost abstract kind of sketches and paintings. Um picked up a couple of their pieces recently that I'm a big fan of. Yeah, we follow each other actually. I gotta take a oh yeah, super cool. I gotta take a better look. Um Julian Gilliam logic the homie of course of course uh he had his open edition that dropped a couple weeks back he just dropped uh act two not too long ago uh his whole style and his messaging and everything uh and just a fucking badass dude um he's he's awesome i still have eight plugs oh the the og plugs Yeah, yeah i i have i have my one that i'm uh sitting on waiting 
waiting to see. Uh, I, I actually know. I checked the contract. I know when it turns one year old. Oh, really? Oh, or or when it turns to 100%. I said one year. Yeah. It's not actually just right. a year. But yeah. Um, yeah, they're over that, a year now. I see this was created October 2021. Yeah. So I actually have a date set on my phone when my when mine is supposed to turn to oh, 100%. Awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, other than that, I, I've kind of just had my my head down. Uh, yeah. been collecting some stuff on on Tez, but uh, my ETH stuff's mostly been you know close to home, close to work. So no doubt. Well, that's cool. Those are some good shout outs. Hopefully, people will check them out. What was the first one you said? Bongo. Bongdo. Bongdo. Yeah, B O N G D O E, I believe. Um. Yep, that's he does some like Doe. Follow. Yeah, he he does some like really wicked, uh, kind of like three D glitch art yes, type stuff. Yes, totally. Um, and I believe he did an open edition recently as well that had you know like a a burn into a bunch of different pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I mean especially his three D stuff I I'm just like aesthetically drawn to. It was interesting because I actually pulled him up on uh, Tezos and on Tezos, he has a bunch of his earlier work that's like very different styles. So it was, it was really interesting to kind of see the evolution of like some of his earlier work and like color palettes and stuff and seeing the transition towards some of this more like dark glitch art type style. But I mean, I can see why why he's popped off recently. Like it's it undeniably like killer killer work whether or not it's you know to your taste or not um those are some good good suggestions i just followed i just followed bongo i was following 500 that's awesome yeah i I actually picked up uh a couple of 500s like additions recently i bought uh one of their one of ones i I think it was on foundation Mm -hmm. um some of their pieces just like really speak to me as as pieces that like i would want to hang in my home so kind of kind of cool stuff yeah love it man well that's gonna be it we went for almost two hours bro that's pretty good that's, that's pretty yeah. good jennifer I mean, like, would like jennifer would have ended the show like an hour ago she'd have been like all right i don't want to take any more time i mean like i i feel like that's every time i hop on with you though like, yeah we just you, chatted you know, we catch up yeah. as much uh as no we doubt. used to or just shoot the shit so it's good to hop on and talk with you guys i appreciate it hundred percent man so this will come out tomorrow i'm excited for everybody to hear it i think people are going to love this one um great talking to you again everybody thank you for listening we'll see you on the next one peace thank you for tuning in to the nft catcher podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of nfts If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.